from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On the X Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Jay Paul Jackson. Joined today by my co-host, Rocky LaFleur, Josh Webb, and our special guest today, Mr. Freddie King. Now, Freddie is a social media guru, as most of you guys probably know, because he's got about 10 million Facebook friends. He also, uh, like myself, works with Excel and Mud Buddy promoting their brand. And uh, Freddie, what a lot of guys don't know, in addition to being a dog trainer, he is also a public land duck hunter extraordinaire. Hey, guys, Freddie, it's particularly great to have you guys today. Hey, it's good being here, guys. It really is. I, I would give him one more title, Jay Paul, the King of the Woods. That was the title of his article over this past <laughs> summer. Amen. I would not go that far. I guarantee you, boy. <laughs> you know, what I like best about Freddie is when you call him, if you get his voicemail, his greeting is, hey, it's Freddie. I'm either running dog on long blind or I got some critter in my viewfinder. Leave me a message. <laughs> And I love that message. And it's pretty accurate. It, yeah. it, it really is. Oh. So get, so hey, hey Freddie. Hey, hey, Jay Paul, I think that you left off one thing. I mean, it's not like Freddie goes to public land just hunting by himself and him and his buddies. I mean, Freddie and the guys from Echo, they are they are the the DVDs and the and what you're seeing from Echo. Freddie, most of the stuff that y'all record is from public land, correct? Well, I mean, a, a percentage of it is. Uh, I mean, it, 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 a percentage of it is. You know, and, and the thing about public land hunting, and you're going to see less and less of that, just for the pure fact that that uh, it, it's getting harder and harder to to kind of do things the way we like to. And you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, and and don't get me wrong, I like seeing every one of my brothers brethren duck hunters out there with me, but it's getting tougher and tougher. Everybody's turning into a great duck hunter. Ain't no doubt about it. Yeah, Freddie, how many nights a year do you actually sleep in the boat? I have slept. uh, Last year, I slept in the boat. I hunted uh, 57 days, and I slept in the boat uh, probably between 33 and 36 days. Tiffany even (laughs) slept in the boat with me twice. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Well, look. <laughs> well, what, like, area y'all generally cover? I know we were talking about it a little bit uh, before we got started, but, of course, you're pretty well centrally located in Arkansas, but, I mean, it, it's nothing for y'all to hitch up, go two hours or three hours one way or the other, is it? No, no. We'll hunt. I mean, the, the, the Mississippi Flyway is that. Everything, you know, from one end of the state of Arkansas to the to the other, it's it runs the whole entire eastern half of Arkansas from central Arkansas over. So, if we're gonna stay in ducks, you better be able to monopolize on the ability to be able to run from one end of the state to the other within that, you know, the Mississippi Flyway, and and that's a large, large area in Arkansas. I mean, it's it, it, it's I, I couldn't tell you how many square miles it is, but I mean, it's literally half the state of Arkansas from Little Rock east, and just pretty much split the state in that Little Rock north south line. So ducks are going to be in that area every single day of duck season, which is a large area, and you better be able to figure out how the ducks are flying, and and where the birds are moving to, where they're resting, and all of that plays into the ability to pinpoint where you need to be as far as a public land hunter. So, you know, and there's a lot of telltale signs. I got some secrets I ain't going to divulge, but for dang sure, <laughs> you better be able to, to, to understand flight patterns and where those ducks are actually resting. And then from that point on, you'll be able to tell which management area and what piece of public land you might want to hit. And I want, I, I do want to point out too, though, that uh, that's not just like something that's just happened in the last four or five years. It's always been that way as far as covering that area and staying on birds. Isn't that right? I mean, it's not, you know, a lot of people oh, think yeah, that's, yeah. All, that's all of a sudden a new thing to do is just take off. No, and go, no, 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 no. You've always been, had to be able to do that. Always, always, you know, and, and, and it gets down to a certain point. Yeah. You know, the way way I look at the state and the way a lot of the other echo boys look at the state, you know, you'll have a mass concentration of birds. Well, they may be whether, you know, they may be north-central, northeastern, north-northeastern. They may be western. They may be located, you know, southwest uh, of Marion somewhere. They, they could be located, you know, all the way down a huge raft could be uh located right there just outside of elaine you know and you just and from that you'll be able to draw a conclusion of where you need to go or which public piece of public ground might be best to get to and if you have a chance to get there the afternoon before and do some scouting which public land areas you can't be on afternoon one o'clock so You've got to be able to look from the outside in and figure out what's going on. So you try to find those mass concentrations, see where they're coming in and where they're flying out of, and then you try to, best you can, plan on where the where to be the next morning. Now, I will have to add that <laughs> 30 years of chasing birds on public land has taught me a lot about birds using one piece of area and I see them take off or leave or coming from or going to whatever I pretty much know where they're coming from or where they're going to just based on which way they're they're coming in or going from if that makes sense yeah 
And, and Let me ask you this, Freddie. And I should know the answer to this, but I don't. I've hunted on a bunch of them, but do you know how many public hunting areas there are in the state of Arkansas for duck hunting? I don't know the number per se, but I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's ten or fifteen real solid ones for sure. And you know, and some of them are, some of them kind of have the same name, but they're different areas. But you know, you're talking about millions of acres. What would your top three be? I ain't never gonna tell you that, boy. That, look, look, and, and getting Freddie to sign this agreement. I was hoping I could stick something out of it, catch him by surprise. Well, see, I, see, I look, uh, getting Freddie to agree to do this, I had to send over a confidentiality agreement to Freddie, and he wouldn't divulge any specifics, and I, I agreed to that, so. Hey, I agree, <laughs> Hey, Freddie, you're talking about scouting because scouting is one of the most important things you, because I've talked to you when you've been on the road before. No, Josh, talked to you when you've been on the road scouting before. But look, what you, you talked a little bit about outside looking in and, and trying to see the whole picture. What is the secret to being able to scout on public land? Because a lot of the guys that listen to our podcast hunt public land. So what's that key? What's that secret to be able to scout? Well, I mean, you know, of course, mobility is going to be one of the main things of being able to scout. Uh, you're going to be able to have to get to an area quick, maybe see some birds uh, coming in, leaving, try to get a flight pattern and say, okay, let's let's go up the road here six miles and let's see if we're still seeing these birds traveling. And and you got to be able to do that real quick and know the area, you know, real well. And a lot of people like to use their phones. I, I I learned everything I know about duck hunting off the topographical paper maps. And to me, that's it's all real quick. It's, you don't have to expand and pop back in and out. So, and I know these roads and all the areas, you know, just from 30 years of hunting them. But I, it's easier, I think, to learn stuff through a topographical map and then have the ability to move real quick when you see birds doing a certain thing. And and that's the key as far as being able to look outside and look in, because they may be flying over a piece of public property, and you can in if you know anything about that piece of public area, then you may know okay this such and such hole that's a good spot this long slough man that the north wind tomorrow we're gonna be able to hunt the north end of this or it's gonna be too deep it's gonna be too shallow be too dry you know you know all those factors just from years of hunting, play into that ability to be able to look in from the outside and understand what these birds are flying over and what type of attraction level you're going to have to these birds when they're coming over, you know. I mean, if it's if it's basically dry with only pockets of water, it's going to be tougher to finish birds, you know. And But in some areas, you can finish those birds. It just depends on how much they're used to hitting water in a certain area so and i know on the on the scouting deal freddie we've talked before about you know a lot of times y'all are hunting groups six eight guys or whatever and you know two or three guys will peel out uh, after a little while of shooting and go scout as long as you're not you know still respecting other hunters in the area but and go scout i mean is that a daily routine or just when it's when well it's, it's not a it, it's it, 
it's it's not a routine that's that's every single day. It's a routine that happens when when we can tell that the birds are going to be less. You know, they're going to be lesser in the morning. You know, if it if it looks real good and we still seeing a lot of birds, not a lot of hunters blowing them out. We're going to set the spot again the next morning. Uh, but now if it's, uh, okay, we're fixing to shoot everything out. we got six guys. We're only going to finish the four-man limit. Tomorrow's going to be worse unless there's a front or something coming that might change that mind. Two or three of those guys are going to, they're going to peel out and 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 start looking. And the quicker you can, we won't even look around that area. We'll figure out where the traffic, we've been seeing birds that morning, and we'll move that direction. or you know, then one of the Echo Boys might be hunting in a completely different area and saying, we ain't seeing anything up here. And it might be 40, 50 miles away. Well, you, you might as well not go that direction. You might as well take off the other way. And that's that's what those bulls will do. Well, Freddie, leaving the scouting a little bit, let's, let's move into the next part. I, I'm sure that being the social media guru that you are, You've seen the video going around of the the, the public boat race, Freddie. I, I know this is important to you because I've heard you and Josh talking about it before. But mannerisms and etiquette when you're hunting on public land, can can you just what are, what are some rules, some gentleman rules that everybody follows that maybe some of the younger crowd has never heard of? Well, I mean, it's. I'm gonna tell you this right now. As far as etiquette, hunter to hunter etiquette, and different, it's way different from one of this end of this state to the other. It's real funny. There's management areas and federal grounds and stuff up north where there's not as much etiquette towards fellow duck hunters as there is possibly some in the central part of Arkansas versus the southern part. And, and you know, and a lot of that is how the areas become to be public or become, you know, a, a part of what is now Arkansas green timber duck hunting on you know, public areas. Well, and there, there's a wide array of how people treat each other, I've seen. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if if I see somebody in a hole that I'm going to hunt or I planned on hunting, you can bet the first thing I'm going to do is is I'm going to roll up in there nice and easy and stuff, and and I'm going to politely ask them, you know, how many hunters y'all's got, and they'll say, and the, and I'll I'll ask point blank, do y'all mind if we hunt here? There's you know two, four, five, six of us. Y'all have two. Done it hundreds of times, more times than I can count. Trust me, I get beat a lot as far as going to a hole and that sort of thing but i will ask and if they have a large group if it's if it's five guys or so or more and it's going to make even remotely an unsafe condition we're gone we won't even you know we won't even begin to try to hunt there we won't even you know i won't even ask if i see five guys uh, i'll just say hey we're going to slip on down and we will not set up within at least 250 yards we'll give them that much room i promise you and and that's you know i th- i honestly think that game and fish should make it a rule that no larger than an eight 
man group can party hunt, and there should be a 250-yard minimum distance between decoy spreads. I honestly believe they should do that. I mean, it would it, it, duck hunting today is kind of getting unsafe because of some of what's going on, and and it's all due to morale, morals and and etiquette toward fellow duck hunters. I, I would totally agree with that. Tell me what you think about this statement, Freddie. Um, I really think that us guys that have been doing it for a long time, like you and I, when we are in one of those areas and we've got someone that maybe rolls into the spot that we were planning on, you know, being at or, or shows up at the same time or whatever, I feel like we kind of have an obligation to, when we come into that situation, do exactly what you said, be very polite and, hey, you know, guys, what's going on? And a lot of times I'll find with the younger guys in particular, not so much the older ones, but with a lot of the younger guys on these, you know, public lands, they uh, they want to be a little bit confrontational at first. And generally, I feel like we kind of owe it to them to educate them, if you will, you know, particularly if we join up, if there are two or three of us and there are two or three of them and we decide we're all going to hunt the whole, you know, to, to kind of gently make them aware that there there are certain rules that un, that are unwritten that we should all follow on public ground. What do you think about that? Oh, well, no, most definitely there is. I mean, uh, there, there's a, a written rule that, you know, dates back, you know, even – I hate to say it, but even before myself on 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 the way hoes and the way you should act toward other hunters and that sort of thing, and and of course everything's kind of evolved as game and fish regulations and stuff change, but you know still yet that etiquette of being very respectful to the the your brethren duck hunter, you know, should rule above anything, and and you know and and I'll be first to tell you that. At times, I probably should have been a little bit less aggressive as far as some of the things I may have done and that sort of thing. And we all get caught up in the moment and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the the main thing is always just try to be the best person you can be toward your fellow duck hunter. So, I mean, there's a, and changes of rules and stuff have kind of changed the way you should handle each situation. And, and but your final piece of etiquette and should always be try to be as respectful try to treat them like you just honestly want to be treated yourself so you know if you get beat to the hole first and there's only two or three people in that one hole you know you ask you don't roll into a hole and say we're hunting here i don't care how many you got i've heard that so many times by the younger generation and it's completely disrespectful and 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 first of all, they're not even thinking about safety issues. You know, if you've already got eight guys in a hole and somebody rolls in there and they do that to you and they've got six more hunters, you're you're getting extremely unsafe. That's all there is to it. Uh, and you you know, you've got two dogs, they've got two dogs. I mean, it's unsafe for the the dogs, it's unsafe for the hunters. And and it's kind of a thorn in my in my opinion, the game and fish to kind of let some of that go on. Well, look, Freddie, talking about how things have 
change and evolve and change and evolve to kind of get, not really away from the etiquette, but just on the spinning wing deal, they come and go and come and go. Where do you land on that? Does it bother you, not bother you? I don't, Where do you I, land on that bother, deal? They don't bother me at all. Um, uh, I can use them. I can not use them. I don't see any... Uh, I don't see any overall benefit between using them or not using them as far as the way we do things. But some hunters, yes, they're going to be way more successful with them. Some hunters, they're going to be less successful. It's all about understanding how to use spinning wing decoys. The the spinning wing decoy thing, the people that pretty much pushed for it were... They're they're griping about other hunters shooting swing ducks or shooting dipping ducks coming in the hole, okay? And that's just ducks that's just kind of dipping and messing up what was going on for the hole next to Well, if you have limitations 250 yards, you don't worry about that. If you have uh, limitations on, on, you know, what people can do as far as being able, how close they can set up to you, then, of course, that's going to cut that way down more than anything. Uh, and but as far as the general use of them, it's not going to do what the people that wanted them at first wanted them banned for, and that is to actually cut down hunt numbers. This you know first part of Arkansas's duck season perfectly proved that on an area that there's no spinning wing decoys allowed, and there was the biggest fiasco you ever saw in your life hey freddie i wouldn't be doing this podcast justification because i know this would be an audience question if, if they were here asking you a question right now now hey, hang on though rocky uh, freddie elaborate on that as far elaborate as on that well you just said that that about the beginning of the season the fiasco there tell us well, exactly I mean, what you're talking about well, there was a management area up north that has a 4 a.m. rule, and they, I mean, people, it was crowded. It was overly crowded. And a lot of people that wanted to ban the spinning wing decoys thought that it would help in the overcrowding issue, you know, and and it didn't. It didn't do anything. If if anything, there was probably 10 to 15, 20% more people at this management area in a boat line for let's for lack of other words to race for the holes and that's all it was and you know there was some people that were there was some people that were almost seriously hurt and there was you know a hundred and plus boats packed into this one little channel trying to (laughs) bide for a hole out there so and, and I was not one of them. I will promise you, that. <laughs> I was not even near it. Uh, yeah, well, I, got, I appreciate I, that. That's something else. I got, I got through all up in the middle of that mess, and I was nowhere near it. <laughs> well, I appreciate the clarification, Rocky. You had something there. Go ahead, brother. Well, while, hey, while we're on etiquette, because I wouldn't be doing this podcast justification if I didn't ask a question that the audience would probably ask. In all of your years when you were filming, while you're filming with Echo, have you ever had somebody roll up in on y'all when you when y'all were filming? 
Well, I mean, yeah, we have. And, and you know, I mean, if we've had, we've hunted with tons of people. I don't know who they were or, or anything before they got there, you know, and, and made new friends hunting with new people. You know, we had room. Yeah, y'all come in and hunt, that sort of thing. And then we've had people, you know, we might have a nine or ten man group and say, listen, it, you know, y'all got four guys. It's going to be, this hole's only 45 yards long and, and, kind of have to circle and and it's going to be kind of thick and you know and we just tell them it's a safe issue you know it's it's a safety issue and you just it, it would be in the best interest of all of us if y'all perhaps found somewhere else to hunt you know and there's a fine line you ride there telling somebody that you know they on the birds that no i don't think you can hunt with us that sort of thing because Game and Fish wants to get in the middle of that and 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 say that you can't tell anybody they can't hurt hunt in a certain spot, but yet if it causes an un if the the secondary people come in and cause a completely unsafe situation, who's it right, the Game and Fish or you for stating that this is an unsafe situation? I'd have to agree with that. You know, sometimes our the rules on some of our WMAs don't always make sense from a safety issue. Um, and then it's, you know, enforcement's awful tough. I mean, you, you take a look at the WMA that you were talking about on opening weekend. You know, the Arkansas Game and Fish passed a law this uh, summer saying that you cannot pass another boat when you leave the landing on your way out into the public area. But apparently they didn't say you couldn't ram another boat because there was plenty of that going on. I mean, it, it was. It, it, it was complete, complete stupidity. And in and, and all honesty, you can look and pretty much tell that it's a lot of young kids out there, a lot of younger generation, and and... I mean, and, and there's a, a loss of etiquette. And, you know, and don't get me wrong, I've been in boat races and I've done, you know, some stuff I maybe ought not should have, but I'm not n nearly ever done any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was awfully, awfully crazy. Probably one of the most craziest sights that I've seen. And, you know, I agree with you. I think that the guys that thought banning the spinning wings was going to take some of the pressure uh, off of the public areas, obviously they were wrong. Let me ask you this: the only, because... the, only the the only thing, and I can say this one hundred percent, the only thing that will take pressure off of wildlife management areas and ease the pressure on duck hunting in general in Arkansas is for Facebook to shut down. <laughs> 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 I, I was going to ask that pretty about about how you've seen. I mean, not just you in general. I mean, we've all seen how social media has affected everything, uh, but especially the hunting community. But specifically, since we're talking duck hunting, how it has affected the, the duck hunting community. Um, and it is just, I mean, I, well, yeah, I mean there's, there's a lot of Facebook hunters out there. I'll put it that way. Well, I mean, uh, not only that, and there's a lot of Facebook chest stumpers. You know what I mean? I hate to say it, and that's not what duck hunting's about. There's a lot of people that just, you know, they won't... I, duck season's been, you know, 
going on a couple of weeks now. I've not posted a single duck picture. I mean, and I won't. Uh, I might the last week or 10, 15 days of season might post some pictures then, but you'll you'll not see any any actual duck harvesting pictures from me uh, until season's basically over. And and you know I'm not going to add fuel to that fire. I'm not. I don't want to be portrayed as some of these. You know, you see a lot of these hunting groups. They name themselves and and they. I mean, y- y'all have all seen it. Anybody that's stuck on it got Facebook and seen all these pictures, heroes and shots and stuff, and then and you can see the mentality with it. And that's not what duck hunting's about, you know. That's a completely against what I would consider a a good code of ethics as far as to this. I would definitely second that. I, I have and, to agree with that. And you know, and 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 it's not really. I mean, of course, no matter what, it's it's whoever's fault that's doing it, but it's also, you know, uh, a lot of this younger generation hasn't been brought up right as far as how to act out there, you know. I mean, they really have, and, and you know, and there's a lot of testosterone with some of this younger generation, and they're mostly younger kids, you know, and, and I call anybody that's, you know, 27, 28 years old and younger a kid. That's all there is to it. Uh, I'm old enough I can do that. And, you know, and they've got these fast boats and they've worked all summer talking stuff online about how fast this was and that is. And they finally get to put their boats in the water, you know. And uh, you'll sit back and I'm sure y'all have been in the middle of some of these areas where they've had this going on. And 10 minutes before they get ready to start running, they're already revving these motors up and stuff. And half the people out there passing out from from inhaling fumes. <laughs> and, and, but I mean that's 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 and and that's all it is, you know. It's 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 a chest beating thing, you know. My boat, this boat, and this duck calling, that duck calling, blah blah blah. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just and you know, and and I'm on that end of the gauntlet as far as you know. I work and do stuff for product manufacturers and all that kind of stuff. But in essence, I always try to portray everything as positively as I can. And I mean. I've rolled in, I mean, we've hunted with two or three groups of people this year. We didn't know who they were. Uh, first day we hunted with a three-man group of boys uh, that got in the hole first, and we asked them if they might. If we had five people, and that put us at eight. And they, you know, and I didn't, when I rolled in there, and I said, you, you know, I, I asked them permission. Told them they owned the hole. Wherever they put us is theirs. Told them that, you know, their, whatever tree they wanted to hunt at, that was fine. Don't let us get in your way. Y'all call the shots when you want to. We'll set up the spread however you want to and do things however y'all want to. And, you know, done that every single time. But, you know, that kind of thing goes a long ways. And that's how everybody – you don't ever roll up into a hole and tell somebody, we're hunting here. No matter yeah, what and how did that day go? Oh, we – we uh, the three-man, that first day – was pretty doggone good and the next day we kind of went back in the same general area and 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 i was actually wasn't no kind of boat race or anything like that i'd already made my left turn and stuff and kind of got off track a little bit and thought about going one place ended up going to another and some uh a young man and his son had already set up in the hole and we just rolled in there and told him hey we got 
uh, this morning we had four guys. You mind if we hunt with you? And no, there's only two of us. And I said, well, we sure appreciate it. You just tell us, and they own the hole. And I tell them that y'all own the hole. This is, you know, where you want to hunt is is. You know, you tell us where you want us. You tell us what you want us to do. You lead how we're going to call. You lead how we're going to do everything. But, of course, you know, I mean, people know we can duck hunt and that sort of thing and know how to work management area ducks. And, of course, they ask it for our insight. But we're going to let, if if they told us, grab that tree over there and don't shoot until we shoot and put your duck calls up, we we're going to do exactly what they said. We're not going to blow a duck call. We're going to shoot when they call the shot. And we're just going to, you know, have as as positive as a experience as we can with those hunters. Well, well Freddie, we, look, we've covered the scouting. You, you divulged a little bit of secrets of how you guys scout on public land. You've talked about etiquette now. Look, there's a reason that I give you the title, the king of the Arkansas woods. Can can you, for the people that's listening to this podcast, can you divulge a few tips for these pressured ducks that are on this public land? Because these ducks are really getting pressured. What is the secret to having a successful hunt on public land? Decoys, calling, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Can you divulge some of the, just a few of those tips for these guys that are listening? Well, I mean, as far as actually having a solid tip, consistently taking ducks on management areas that are under pressure ducks that that you know are, are mid-season and later ducks that other people are around hunting the main thing is to always try to look bigger than they are on the water now calling is going to be you know pretty well up there but still yet we like to look bigger on the water up until the ducks start flaring away from decoys. So we'll use 12, 16 dozen decoys in the timber up until the point we start seeing them getting hole shy and, and decoy shy. And then once that happens, then you change your tactic 100% and, and get away from everybody and get in those small little areas. And you're going to find and, and use only a half a dozen, dozen decoys. And always, always put the jerk string out. Always, if not two or three. Yeah, but, I think, you know, of course, there's there's five million different kinds of ways to make water move. Um, but, and, and it's mostly all battery powered. But a jerk string solves a lot of problems. I've had a lot of, look, I've had a lot of good hunts and on public land with nothing but a few decoys on a jerk string. And that's it. That's uh, I it. Think, and I think it's overlooked a lot. Uh and I think it's overlooked because of the the generation that's hunting and thinks that everything has to be moving and, and spinning and wheeling and dealing and you forget that the uh the the simple way is the best way a lot of times. Um it it really, really but, is. Uh, I mean. Well look on while while we're still on it and everything, talk about dogs number of dogs because like you said sometimes you roll up in there and there may be a group with one or two dogs and y'all have always got one or two so how do you see that play out sometimes because that you know that that's just as big a safety issue as as hunters and and, and guns and everything else oh yeah well i mean if i run in there and and we're going to hunt a hole where there's already one or two dogs and they're they're 
good dogs and, and, and all that, no matter what, those dogs have the hope. I mean, that's all there is to it. I mean, I'll still get my dog out or what dogs we'll have. We'll put them on a play stand, and we snap them on lead right there. We put them out away from everything, and we make sure they're quiet, and they'll sit there and watch the show all morning long, you know. If, if a dog is invited to pick up a bird harvested that morning, then it's done so by whoever's running that hole who we should happen to hunt with. We're not going to let our dog break, interrupt other people's hunts, and and so far and so forth. I mean, I saw a video posted this year, uh, boys wearing some ducks out, and there was literally four dogs running out there. <laughs> I saw that. In the middle of this hole. Yeah. Looking like a bunch of, I mean, just looking for back of lack of better terminology, retarded. And watched them rip a duck in half, two dogs more or less fighting over the same duck. And, you know, I'm not going to have none of that. I'm not going to be a part of none of that. And I, and if I was to come into the, that middle of that situation, my dog would have been on lead 100% the, the, the whole morning. And, I, and quite frankly, this past weekend, uh, taking a bunch of kids hunting, uh, had one dog, Thief, and I didn't snap him on lead, but he watched every single duck fall that them kids killed, and never I never kicked him off one time. You know, and, and so it ain't about it, and, and of course, now, a certain situation, I may have kicked him off, but I was kind of wanting him to sit there and watch the whole thing go on. These kids walk out there, pick up their own birds. You know what I mean? And it's kind of uh, it, it's kind of their experience. It wasn't mine or my dog's experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no I, I get that completely. Hey, hey Freddie. The... Go ahead, Rocky. Freddie, let me ask you this. We went into decoys. Let's let's talk a little bit about about calling, because I know that guys are going to want to know what what are the tips that you would give to a new duck hunter as far as calling on public ground these these pressure heck, ducks because they're so different. Talk, can you talk heck, a little I'm bit an about old that? Duck hunter and I want to hear this. Well, I mean it's it's funny, and the changes are the changes to how you need to work ducks are day by day. I mean, they they really, really are. They're day by day, and you learn real quick on on how to work your ducks, and and it'll change from that morning to that afternoon, or that morning till you have to get off the area, you know. And within an hour, you'll be working a different type of duck, and you know, and a lot of it's due to sunlight, light, how much you know birds can see an area, and how much they've heard duck calling, how long they've been in that area. So you've got to be able to change. How are you talking to these birds and which birds you're paying attention to? You know, 90% of the time, well, let's say 75% of the time, you're going to be watching the lead bird. And 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 you're going to be calling to you 90% of the time a hen in a group of birds. So, and you'll want to watch that bird as people are calling. Sometimes it sounds like a rat race and you got eight, nine guys out there blowing with everything they got trying to attract the birds, keep them in tight. And, you know, because you hate to say it, but you're in a competition with other hunters around you, and it shouldn't be that way. But you're in a competition to keep your birds from circling out too far, getting over to where they can hear other hunters or other hunters maybe, you know, shoot low-flying birds at, on a timber top. So you're, you're already talking to them a lot more than what you want to. And then 
basically any time they're coming straight at you, we'll just try to keep them in line with some soft bark and stuff and then and then let them finish on their own without much more than a little bit of jerk string and maybe a little bit of feet calling. And that's that's generally your standard on how to work a duck. But you'll find at times that any amount of calling while a bird is on a swing will actually push them away. So you'll have to say, okay, only so-and-so call and only do this. And you may have them just doing, you know, uh, uh, just a quick comeback call and just finishing it off with, you know, three or four note cadence uh, uh, of calls, you know, and just a quick, and that's all you'll want to do just to keep them enough interested in the area because uh, another call added to that actually puts them in alert mode. And they just, they if a duck's not comfortable, he's not going to come towards you. So, and you can tell where their comfort level is at by watching the lead duck and watching those usually right up close to the front is where you're going to you're going to keep an eye out. Now, a lot of times you'll throw something at a duck and you'll see one on the far side or the one on the inside, whatever, and that duck will turn towards you. All of a sudden, that's the duck you're going to talk to, and ever, whoever turned that duck, everybody else needs to shut up. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Everybody else needs to shut up and let that one person work that one bird because that's, that bird turned for a reason, and it's that call alone that did it. And and trust me, you can tell. I've seen Tyler Merritt break more daggum hen necks in the air than about anybody alive. I mean, it's unbelievable what I've seen. And, and if birds, the, the only thing with Tyler is uh, we're looking at a couple of turkeys right here in the neighborhood right now. Look at there, peanut. Look at them turkeys. That's that's getting to be a everyday thing now. But anyway, uh, the only thing with Tyler is he's not a he's not aggressive enough with call for me. Because a lot of times when I get that lead hen interested, you know, I want to talk to her, make sure she stays interested, or that hen I pulled across the flock, and 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 once he. Tyler will kind of let him float a little bit more than I will. But it works a lot for him. Mine works a lot for me. A lot of times I'll blow him out. A lot of times, you know, Tyler lets him slip off. So it's just one of those games you got to play with, and every hour, more than likely, your ducks that you're calling to are going to change. You'll find as the sun gets up a little bit more, it's okay to call to them when they're out there further. But when they get in there close, you better do nothing but some quacks and feed calls. Then the next group, the next day, you might have to call them all the way to the water. So you've got to be able to read those birds and change your calling tactics to suit that morning. But rule of thumb is always give them just enough to get them in. Just enough. So well, and if, I, if, I like what you said, too, about even if it's 5, 6, AW, whatever in there, if somebody hit that note they like, it's not everybody keep on hammering them. Just lay no. off and lay off and let that one or two people finish them. You know, I see that happen a lot too. You know, guys, six guys go in, they feel like these guys have got to be calling, and you know, until all six guys pull the trigger, and that's just not the case. A lot of times, that's not the case. That that that's that's it, and that you know, and that's I've seen more killable birds blowed away because people not adhering to that rule 
I mean, it, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I'll tell you something else a lot of people do. They're, they'll save a group of birds on the timber or, or two treetops high. Two treetops, birds, and lower are can hear you very, very, very good on your five to seven mile per hour windy days. So a lot of times they see them birds, they'll start just blaring at them. As soon as they blare at them, everybody starts just calling. Well, that's that's like walking into your house and all of a sudden everybody starts screaming at you, happy birthday, you know, and it, it scares you. That's exactly what happens to those birds. It scares them because all of a sudden, you know, they're flying over the camera, nothing much is going on, and then all of a sudden just, ah, 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 and I mean, it just pushes those birds. And the best thing to do when you see those birds like that, that first guy hits that note, look where they're looking, and let him slow ramp things up, you know, and let him start getting a little bit louder, a little more aggressive, trying to get those birds torn, and then somebody else join in. And then slowly build it up because the birds already, okay, there's ducks over there, you know, and they're kind of thinking, okay, there's ducks over there. We're, there. I heard one. Well, there's two. And, well, sounds like something's going over there. And, and you'll see them just slowly make that turn. And more and more you get going, the more they forget that they didn't hear absolutely anything. And you kind of soft working, you're calling into them to where you can finally put four or five good solid callers working those spreads and overlaying, working the, the ducks as they're making their swing. And as soon as you got them coming back toward you, start bringing it back down. And then, you know, and then always kind of single out one person as who the guy is going to be finishing those birds. So every, so what you're saying is, is what's, what's true in church is true in the duck hole. Every duck hole should have a choir director. Pretty much. I mean, and I mean, that that's, pretty much it and you got to pay attention to how those birds it's not a free-for-all calling contest between everybody out there and i see that so much and we have literally been in the hole two three hundred yards away from in a lesser hole hole that's not as good as the one they're in but they'll have eight or ten guys versus our five or six and we'll sit there and listen to them just call and call and the birds are circle and they'll look good They'll circle them and circle them and circle them. And about that second or third circle, they come toward us. We'll just say, rank, 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 and just kind of let it lay. Those birds will kind of do a figure eight. You come back around and go back over there and listen to that calling. And then you just make them, let them come almost around. And as soon as they get about to where you think they're going to make that turn, you just give them that figure eight call again. Boom. And they'll make the turn. And usually, if they want to get down, they're going to sit down on you that time right there. I've seen it so many times, and all they've done was the other group of hunters just overcall on their birds and, and push them away. They kept them interested, but they weren't ever going to land. Hey, hey, Freddie, I want to ask you one more thing. I know you're a busy guy, but he, here's one more issue that I want you to talk about briefly as you can or as much as you want to. I don't care. But one of the biggest issues that I see in in public ground hunting is concealment. What what are some tips that you can give to beginning hunters that on what you guys go that extra mile to conceal, you know your boats where you, how the guys that's hunting in the party, just any tips that you may have on concealment. Well, I mean, my ninety nine percent of our hunting is done using XL or Mud Buddy to get us to where we're going. XL Mud Buddy rigs, and 
they're camoed up and they look pretty and all that kind of mess. But the first thing you better do is get that boat at least 150, if not 200 yards away from the hole. And preferably on the, the far side of things where nothing's going to happen. So, you know, get it, get it way behind you where you ain't worried. You're going to always work your ducks in front. Uh, get that duck away from where you're going to work your bird, uh, get the boat stuff, your rig, and all that kind of mess. Because I promise you, I've seen it time and time again. As season goes, ducks learn what boats look like. They just learn the general outline shape of it. And they'll see, you, you can see them. They'll flare from them even when they're two or 300 yards out. I've seen it. You know, they just learn that general shape, and they get very, very spooky of boats or anything that even looks like a boat. You know, and your number number two thing is as season gets on, make everybody back up all. Everybody wants to hunt up on the hole and be right there where things are going to land, but start moving back 25, 30 yards away from the actual hole. And you're just going to have to take, you know, 35-yard shots because the birds are looking uh, later in the season. They're looking. They're starting to look out in them trees. They're starting to watch around the edges. So you got to get back away from the hole. Hey, hey, Freddie, let me ask you this on real quick. What what is Freddie King looking for in a tree when it comes to hiding? What what are what when you're walking into a hole? What are you looking for to hide yourself and a dog? <laughs> anything, anything that's bigger than my belly. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that that's pretty much it. You just kind of want to be able to. Make sure that you can hide, you know, 80% of your body behind a tree and 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 stay out of the sunlight as, as possible. I mean, I, if you've ever hunted with Rick Dunn, there ain't nobody that keeps his face in the bark any better than Rick Dunn when he's working birds. I mean, he's still watching him, but he's got his face in the bark. I mean, the whole time, and he's walking around the tree, and and... You don't see a lot of hunters doing that nowadays, and even a lot of us ugly boys, we we don't do it like we should be. You know, walking so, around. So, so, so what you're saying is Freddie King and Rick Dunn are both against pie facing a duck. You darn right. We got some pie faces in our group. We'll call out every now and then. <laughs> well, look as far as the, uh, the the canopy on the on a tree. What you know? What is something? You know, what What are you looking for as far as a canopy for top cover for concealment well, on yourself? You know, and, and, and a lot of that depends on what kind of wood you're hunting, whether you're hunting two-blow flats, you're hunting big oak flats, you're hunting, you know, cypress knee bottoms, whatever. And, and you know, you might be hunting uh, a buck brush ticket with a bunch of sparsely populated uh, uh, two-blow trees, and those are hard to hide in. Ducks can see you coming, going, and, and pretty much see you about any time so of course great camouflage is going to be the number one thing but the main thing we try to do is find an area that's and and a lot of times we'll you know we'll have six seven guys going and we'll point blank and say listen that hole can't handle but four people that's all there is to it you can't hide any more than that so we'll either have to adjust how many people we got going with us that morning, or we'll have to go to a, a completely different hole. So if if I'm I'm looking for a hole that can hide the number of hunters that I've got going. So 
and and trust me, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And literally all the duck hunters around know what I'm talking about. It's some holes can only hunt two or three guys. Some you can hide, you know, depending on what kind of canopy where the the oak leaves are still on, then they might be able to handle as many as 10, 12 hunters. I don't anymore. I'm getting where I like to only hunt, you know, eight or nine guys at the most. It's just, it's a safety issue. But anyway, back to what I was stating, the, the more your cover is above you, the more hunters you can have, and you need to base your group size on that. And, Freddie, I'm a, it sounds like you're a big advocate of either face mask or, or, or paint on the face. Well, we don't do paint. We should do face mask, but we don't. But we should every hunt. I didn't hate painting my face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the same I way. Did, I didn't. I, I grew up yeah. with a wide open face, but you know we bury our face in the bark. You just you got to stay tight against those trees, and if you do that, you don't have to worry about uh, face masks or painting up that sort of thing. Well, look, Freddie. I know you got a thousand things on your plate, but. And kind of one thing we do before we close every every one of these out is a is a final thought type deal. I'm gonna let mine rest on my favorite uh, a, a final thought in uh, I think every single Echo DVD that I have. Uh, there's really no telling what you're gonna pull out of your blind bag as far as to eat. So we're going <laughs> so instead of instead of what might be in there, let's go with what's in there today. I know season's not open, but, but or, or what's gonna be in there this weekend when it opens back up well uh the last time the boy when when the last time i did something the boy said you better do it opening when season comes back rolling in because it's too good and i took an orchid cooler and uh, i uh, I smoked the boston butt and i took an orchid (laughs) cooler and i filled it with hot water and then sealed that boston butt and brought bread and mayonnaise and hickory (laughs) sauce and all the trimmings and stuff and that cooler, you know, with that hot water, and it kept that that. Oh man! And all we did was take a trash bag, split it, put it on the bow of the boat, and we threw that chunk of meat on there and just went at it with our hands. So. <laughs> well, that takes it to a new level. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good stuff. That's but good. Rocky, what, what you got? I'm gonna ask. Out? I'm gonna ask Freddie for for one final thought. Freddie, what what are you seeing? You know in your area right now and what are you expecting this weekend with this big front that's coming through and it looks like this it's going to fall on a full moon so what you're seeing right now and what you expect coming this weekend well the bird situation of course is looking a whole lot better i mean it, it looks way better than what it did the first part of the season yet they're the they're holding mostly to rest areas and not moving during the day, and it's a lot of it's because they're feeding at night. And but what I what I'm seeing as things are going to be that the first couple of days should be halfway pretty doggone good, but it's going to fall off real quick because we still have a lack of water in the area. That's all there is to it. It's just it you can't maintain the birds in the area if you don't have the areas for them to spread out and feel safe for. It the majority of the time they're here. 
Yeah. Afraid. Well, that's something. That's something we've been covering a lot, trying to reiterate. You know, is just that. Yeah, and the hunting is. I agree with you. It's getting better here daily as far as bird numbers. But you know, two or three days of it with lack of water, they're going. They're going to spread back out. They're going. They're going to find somewhere safe to be. So what oh, you yeah, got right now? Cut you off. The, Freddie, yeah, I, I look. The, the the knowledge that you brought today, man, I, I am going to give a final thought, is unbelievable. We've had multiple people ask us for tips on public hunting. And when I called you Friday, I, you know, ever since this summer when we wrote that article about you, you are the king of the woods. And, man, it proved it today. Dude, the knowledge that's in your head about duck hunting is unbelievable. And I just want to thank you for and on such short notice, you know, just a couple of days' notice, coming on the podcast and dropping all this knowledge today. And I, thank you again, Freddie. Well, it, it's my pleasure. But, you know, I want to go back to, to, to honestly saying that there's no difference between me and a lot of these other people or us and a lot of these other people that, that duck hunt. And uh, the only difference is we – probably rolled harder than 80% of everybody out there. And, and and it's a number game. Of course, you get to hunt, you know, 58, 60 days a season, you're going to be a lot more successful than, than the guy that only gets to hunt 25. So it makes it, you know, I have to give my dues to people out there. It's not just me. It's the whole crew that puts in their time and, and stuff to making sure that we have successful hunts. And trust me, I get my brow beat a bunch. We're making some bad calls. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that, that's all. Part Fre- of hey, it, hey, Josh, and, and Freddie bought brought sexy back last week, man. Did you see that guy in that video? I didn't even recognize him. A slick-looking fella, I know, and he was good. I thought Tiffany they, had found found another date for the night. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and for uh, those of y'all wondering what we're talking about, Freddie went to the uh, Rick Dunn was in, uh, inducted to the the Duck Hunting Arkansas Hunting Hall of Fame. I guess it is, isn't it, Freddie? Yep, that is and, correct. And, and Freddie and Peanut, man, they were slicked up. Peanut's always looking good, but Freddie, you, you never know what you're gonna get. But man, I didn't even yeah, recognize no. you, Freddie. Hey, it was impressive. He was actually yeah. standing close to me this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Well, look, Freddie, buddy, it's been great having you on again. We've enjoyed it, man. We've enjoyed oh, it. Sure I know. It I know y'all got a lot of preparation to do before season gets kicked back off, and uh, Rocky and I are trying to get things in order down here as well. And we'll be in touch as season goes on. See what's happening over there. Hopefully, y'all get some some rain. Uh, and get some more water over there to help things out. Well, good luck to you guys the rest of the season. Y'all holding on them and call them through the hole, buddy. I want to thank you for being our guest on this edition of the On Next Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. <laughs>